Um, so just a couple of uh, housekeeping things as far as um, uh, this group goes. So um, since there are an increasing number of us that aren't on Facebook, uh, I do have on Learning Zion on the homepage um, where all of these weeks are listed and all of the homework links, all of the past Zooms and any kind of chats and uh, things uh, can be found. So if you do find anything during the week as we're going through the different homework assignments, et cetera, if you find something that you wanna share, uh, yeah, you can share it on the Facebook group as well, but um, I'd ask that you take the time to also share it on um, the Learning Zion uh, webpage so that everybody can uh, grow in that and, and get those links and stuff. So kind of in uh, line with that, under week number three for this week, um, this Word of Wisdom book was a really great one that I found after I had put out like the homework. Uh, it's just a, a short little book by Cassidy and <laughs> yep, everybody hold up. <laughs> um, uh, Cassidy and Jordan Gunderson. If you remember, Jordan um, was on Sisters of Liberty as a guest with the uh, herbal mectin and, and stuff like that. He deals a lot with uh, herbs and healing. But anyway, since there's not an audiobook of it, I did record uh, myself reading this one, and that's under week three if you wanted to uh, listen to that. Um, but anyway, I highly recommend this book. We'll probably reference that quite a bit tonight. And then also um, this um, Wisdom in His Words document from Alicia Blickfield. Um, so it's, what, 60 pages or whatever, just a, a little printout. But that PDF is also under week three, if you'd like to... Um, read it when you have a chance um the, the where, did you, has, uh -huh. where did you get the first book is that on his um on his website uh-huh yeah you can get it there on amazon um okay. on the that herbalist school that he goes to they they sell it as well okay um so that one is um really great and stuff. The The difference between his and like Alicia's is this one is more of like a study guide. It's like a workbook that you want to write in and um, it gives lots of different like rabbit holes and footnotes and topical guide things to look up as you're studying the word of wisdom. So this one's like a, a really practical how-to guide kind of thing uh, to study deep on that. Um, But anyway, given that and then kind of transitioning over to um, what we're talking about tonight, I found it very interesting, the timing that the Lord has placed all of us on with um, pushing back the lectures on faith and um, how it coincides with Come Follow Me for um, this with Word of Wisdom and uh, Sons of the Prophets, School of the Prophets, and, and all of that. So a very, very interesting, I would say that this one is like crucial. It's just a, a two-page a uh, quick little podcast. It's eight minutes long from Avraham this week. Um, so uh, if you haven't been following his uh, weekly podcast with Come Follow Me, uh, you go to Isaiah Institute, click over to podcasts and uh, click on Old Testament. And um, anyway, this one on Sons of the Prophets is just so good at helping us unlock what the school of the prophets was so i want to read the first paragraph that he has from this um because i think it'll just really open us up and, and help us have a, a great discussion on word of wisdom tonight so uh quoting from abraham's podcast here it says about the time of elijah and elisha we see the emergence of a caste or group of ascetics called the sons of the prophets 
Like the later Dead Sea sectaries in New Testament times, they lived mostly apart from a corrupt society in a call-out type of condition and devoted their lives to God. Some additionally were Nazarites, persons who took vows of consecration to God and abstained from certain foods and practices. They generally married, but cultivated the gift of prophecy by seeking the tutelage of a man of God, such as Elijah and Elisha, to whom they looked as a spiritual father. The school of the prophets, organized by the prophet Joseph Smith, became a latter-day extension of this phenomenon, and it has an important application in Isaiah's end-time scenario. And so um, he goes on for seven, eight minutes about the end-time scenario and what the school of the prophets or sons of the prophets pattern will look like with the Davidic servant. And so um, as according to Isaiah. And so uh, to build upon that, he goes through Elisha's experiences and um, some of the types and shadows that, that get pulled forward through that. Um, but anyway, the, the one word that really stood out to me that I had to look up and really ponder on um, was there at the beginning when it says that we see the emergence of a cast or group of aesthetics. And let me type that out because sometimes that I'm not pronouncing it correct. Um, but aesthetics is uh, defined as a practice of severe self-discipline and abstention from all forms of indulgence. And so, um, basically, to sum it up, when a group um, or nation or chosen people has turned away from their covenants and um, uh, rejected the Lord in uh, mass, then the Lord creates a call-out situation, calls out a group of people, and trains them on the son-servant level in order to sacrifice and minister for the whole body to try to merit deliverance for, for everyone. Um, and they do that. One of the, the main things in that is this aesthetics or the practice of severe self-discipline, uh, mm -hmm. absentation from all forms of indulgence. Um, and so every time that we see a call-out situation, he points out that we see a dietary suggestion, restriction, whatever you want to call it, uh, implemented amongst the, the people that are called out. And so anyway, there is lots of like hot topic buttons with that, that I was like, oh man, is that really true? Do we see that throughout all of the patterns and scriptures and everything? Um, and, and it was just such a, a fun study the, the past couple of weeks to, to go down that, uh, that line. But anyway, just like to open it up to, to you guys on, on your thoughts of the ancient type of sons of the prophets and the modern school of the prophets. And where does that leave us for the future? Like, is there any coincidence that we're studying school of the prophets right now that the Lord kind of led us in this direction? And um, specifically, what does that mean for us tonight as we're studying word of wisdom? <laughs> like, I, I, I find all of those things very coincidental, but not coincidental, right? But um, anyway, just general thoughts and, and things so far as uh, we uh, start there and uh, we'll dive into section 89 here in a bit. So does the Lord call us out or do we qualify ourselves to be called out? Like, uh, great we question. Choose, we choose that. Do you know what I mean? Like, my greatest desire is to be in Zion. That's, I asked my husband what his greatest desire was. And he said to see Heavenly Father, like totally different 
-hmm. minus P and Zion. Yeah. So do I, do we kind of, it kind of goes along with many are called, but few are chosen. And why are they not chosen? I don't think the Lord chooses us. I think we choose mm -hmm. what we want by what we focus on. Yeah. Because he's going to always honor agency, right? And there's um, always the desires of our hearts, you know, amongst all of his apostles that he's given the option for requesting blessings, you know, what, whatever you want. <laughs> when you merit uh, that level of, of blessedness, you get the desires of your hearts. And so, <laughs> like my uh, nephew came to, to my mom one day or whatever, and he's like, are there motorbikes in heaven? Because I don't think it's going to be heaven without motorbikes. <laughs> well, well, what's the desire of your heart? <laughs> anyway, I thought that was good. That's cute. But yeah, yeah great question. As far as well, like, he was just wondering about the millennium, not in oh, heaven. Yeah, yeah, not heaven, but in the millennium. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, as we that same kind of question arose as we were uh, discussing Isaiah decoded and stuff, because we see that um, there are many that don't necessarily qualify for the call out, but they are brought into the call out. So like Lehi and Nephi, um, the, the wicked sons are, are also brought with the rest of the family, but they are uh, constantly having to choose and um, uh, see who they, they will serve at the end of the day kind of thing. But it's based upon or predicated upon the righteousness and the desires of Lehi and, and Nephi in order that they are uh, brought out in that call out as well. And so I, I find that uh, an interesting pattern. Um, uh, like what you said, like, who chooses? Is it God or is it us? And uh, we can call, qualify. And we, through our sacrifice on their behalf, can also help others qualify uh, as well. And in a way, is it kind of like um, uh, with the Nephite disciples, when Christ asked them, the 12 disciples, what is it you want from me? Yeah. He gave them, like they chose. He didn't tell them what they want. He didn't tell them what he wanted for them. He let them choose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Same with John the Beloved, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then that takes us to um, the gifts of the spirit. Like we get to choose what gifts of the spirit we want. I mean, we're all blessed with some. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we also can qualify for other gifts of the spirit. Yeah, which is a, an amazing principle throughout our lives as we grow and cultivate things. Sometimes we might see that in somebody else and go, oh, I really want that. You know, I want to develop that, uh, that ability or that, that spiritual gift and do the, the spiritual work necessary. Find out what laws it's predicated upon, what the price tag is for you personally, and then, then do that. But it's not a vending machine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there's always that. Sometimes you do the work for one and you get a totally different. <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> um, okay, now that I'm back, I'm talking. I want somebody else to talk. <laughs> So yeah, as we do transition over to uh, word of the, uh, word of wisdom in section eighty nine, um, 
you know, we have lots of different interesting tidbits that uh, Gundersons are pointing out here. They have a chapter on the conspiring men of the last days. As we look at section 89, it warns us uh, and tells us kind of one of the purposes of giving the word of wisdom in general was to um, protect and, and guard against the conspiring men. So um, let's see, it has sections on um, alcohol and just like lost my page, took my paperclip out. Um, uh, pharmacia, big pharma has sections on smoking and sugar and wheat. And I think that's all the, the sections in that one. Um, but just all of the ways that our modern advances in technology have uh, started really conspiring against us in order to, to dumb us down or to inhibit our connection with God. Um, we see the emergence of many, many different um, things that we didn't have in times past, right? And, and yet we have GMOs and uh, <laughs> the whole gamut of, of things that are trying to, to block us and um, uh, just destroy that connection with God. And so um, the word of wisdom is given with a, he warns and forewarns. So it's not just for the conspiring men of Joseph Smith's day, uh, the things that were happening then, but also the things that were to come. And, and I think that that's kind of like a big part of why not every single little thing is listed in the, the word of wisdom, right? You know, because <laughs> as it, it modifies through the years, the, the most recent one, we, we clarify vaping and e-pens and opioids, etc. Um, because uh, things have, have shifted and evolved since, since Joseph's day. But um, do you guys like agree on like conspiring men of the last days? Like, how have we seen that play out um, in our generation? Uh, and do you think it's going to even uh, work further? Uh, what's the what's the end game? What's the the culmination of that uh, conspiring? And giving others a chance. <laughs> I just remember uh, back in the early 2000s, like 2002, 2003, and I just wanted to understand the word of wisdom. And of course, this was before the internet. And we lived in Little Blackfoot, Idaho, and the place to shop was Walmart. And I just remember walking in one day and I walked through the produce section and then I just stopped. And I just looked around and I was like, everything is plastic. Everything we eat is manufactured in plastic. Like it's not even real food. Once you walk past the produce aisle, like it's not even real. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? Uh-huh. Yeah. And, you know, here Brigham Young was kind of getting after the saints for eating too much white flour. <laughs> if, seen our day. <laughs> if we only ate white flour today right uh -huh. then it's so much better 
<laughs> yeah, Kathy says, don't even get me started. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to get you started. That's what <laughs> Strally. I, like, <laughs> I want to hear Kathy because I ever want to talk. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like honestly, a lot of this word of wisdom talk was um kind of prompted by Anthony Sweat's class at Education Week a, a few years back, where um he he kind of went through the um the early school the prophets and and things and uh i i just remember taking notes i can't find those notes for the life of me i have scoured my house up and down but um i know i will find them one day it's in an orange notebook somewhere <laughs> but um anyway he talked about the the real meanings behind lots of the different uh, aspects of the word of wisdom um, because, you know, we, we don't consume alcohol, but what does it say about the, the good parts of alcohol in the word of wisdom that it's for the washing of our bodies? And um, uh, like, we'd never talk about that when we're, we're talking about School of the Prophets or, or any of it. We, uh, it's interesting the parts that we choose to, uh, to focus on when we do. So I would like to read this quote from, um, let's see, this is from Oliver Cowdery's sketchbook. And just a second, let me pop back up to it. It says that the word of wisdom mentions that strong drinks were for the washing of the body. The saints did not have denatured alcohol. We use denatured alcohol today to clean wounds or to get an especially good cleanse. We read of the meeting in 1836 in which Oliver Cowdery records met in the evening with Brother Joseph Smith Jr. at his house in company with Brother John Coral, and after pure water was prepared, called upon the Lord and proceeded to wash each other's bodies and bathe the same with whiskey perfumed with cinnamon. This we did that we might be clean before the Lord of the Sabbath, confessing our sins and covenanting to be faithful to God. While performing this washing unto the Lord with solemnity, our minds were filled with many reflections upon the propriety of the same, and how the priests anciently used to wash always before ministering before the Lord. Because they did not have denatured alcohol, they added cinnamon to change the smell. Um, and then another quote, that's why I was trying to find my notebook, because I know that I, I wrote this one down differently. Um, but another person said that even before they could be admitted, before the salutation, before they um, were, were even in there, um, they had to go through a daily cleansing process at home before they even arrived there, and they would bathe in alcohol, and um, many of the participants said that as the alcohol was drying off of the skin, it it felt like their sins were actually being lifted out of their bodies and that it was a very rejuvenating experience. Um, I've talked to a, a couple of different nurses that um, said uh, when they have uh, problems with, um, with babies, right, and their temperature is too high, they bathe them in alcohol to bring that body temperature down uh, really quickly. And so I think that there's a lot to the, the actual alcohol and bathing you know it's not for our our consumption but it's for the the washing of our bodies and i found that just such an interesting principle and apply that on down the line through all of the different things mentioned in the word of wisdom that there are the restrictions but there's also the opposite what is it good for and how do we use it for that you know like how many of us 
use tobacco for the bruises. I can't remember the last time that I <laughs> went to the store and got some tobacco for that. But I like, don't even know where to buy tobacco for picking up tobacco. <laughs> I got my tobacco seed so I can grow it if I need it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it, I, there's just a lot to it. And that's where my brain was focused when um, I was kind of thinking, oh, we really should talk about the word of wisdom and, and some of its uh, implications for us in the last days. And then I came across this book and it totally like rocked my world for the last two weeks. Anybody in, I see there's a few group A and B people here, but I mean, holy cow, I didn't realize that I didn't understand the word of wisdom like at all until I read that book. And I, I don't know. I mean, it was just kind of like, um, you know, like we talk about with Isaiah decoded and like, um, uh, the traditions of men uh, principle or whatever and leaving Babylon in that way. That's how I felt when I was reading this book on Word of Wisdom. I was like, oh my gosh, I've lied to myself about the Word of Wisdom for far too long and I need to like put away that kind of stuff and, and live a higher law because there's so much privilege and powers that we can access when when this is lived properly and you know <laughs> not to be a, a offensive or, or anything you know they they tiptoe around that as well um as far as the meat issue because i mean that's the thing that we always go to right oh well yeah whatever i'll i'll do this and this but i'm not going to give up my meat i was in that same boat and then i don't know then it hit me like a ton of bricks this last week of it's not necessarily about eating meat. It's it's about the killing of animals and becoming a bloodthirsty people. And, and I don't know, it 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 did something to me. <laughs> but, um, I totally agree. That kicked my rear end. In <laughs> a week of like adjusting, I don't really feel like I'm a big meat eater. Yeah. But then when you really start looking at it, like what will I put on my sandwich? Like, <laughs> like, like I like, and I love a good hamburger, but I'm not like some, usually if I have chicken, I kind of nibble at it, but I'm not like huge on meat. I've kind of gotten away from it as I've gotten older. And I think it's because I've been prepared to do this. Like mm -hmm. it totally resonated with me because I lived in Wyoming where all my friends were ranchers. Yeah. And like, they can't even stand the thought of eating chicken. Like you only eat beef if you're a real person. Like if you're a, a real man or, you know, a real human, you eat chicken, you eat beef. Yep. But some of them treated their cattle really good, but some of them didn't treat their cattle very good. Yeah. And that always bothered me. And of course, the slaughter time always really bothered me. And, but I thought that was just like, oh, well, that they gave their life for us, you know, they, that's, what that's their duty and that's what they're doing for us. But then I also, <laughs> if you read the foreign nation and the energy of killing, like, <laughs> yeah. like it's so twisted the way we think. And I, so it all comes together better. And I really feel like I've been like um, prepared to make this step before I even knew I was being prepared mm -hmm. because I it's bothered me for a while and like and and uh, like it's so silly I have and I have a really nice chicken pen okay I have everything I need 
they have food, they have water. Well, every day I let them out in my yard and I could have this beautiful yard, but I can't, I just let these chickens run around because I know it makes them happy. <laughs> and my husband's like, he doesn't care, but he's always like, the chickens are digging holes in the grass. And I'm like, I guess I care more about the chickens than I care about having a pretty yard, but I can't, like they're, they're spirits and I feel that they're spirits and yet I was eating chicken. So it's, it's like, I'm kind of fooling myself. Mm -hmm. Like you eat chickens, but you also let them ruin your yard. Like that doesn't really make sense. <laughs> and so <laughs> like, and I've just like looked at it all week going and like, oh, so many things were double standard. So many things I've done were kind of hypocritic. Mm -hmm. um, like my dogs. Okay. I have dog food, but I make them a scrambled egg every day. <laughs> because they're spirits and they they know they can tell if I love them or not and I have time to make them an egg and I have tons of eggs because I have chickens so anyway like just like oh my gosh you guys this is crazy so um I have to talk softer um just a second so this week um, I gotta switch off of my earphones. How do I do that? Um, I think just by like putting them back in the case or something. Yeah. Let's see. I can kind of hear you. No, I can't hear you. Now. Okay, can you hear me? Yep. Okay, so this week, so I've been doing the no meat, okay? And I thought it was gonna be really hard, but it's been not hard at all. But I, I'm not ready to go like no cheese and no nuts. I'm not, I'm, I'm taking it slow. I'm going, I'm being nice to myself. So I'm going really slow. And I've just been like, after like reading all this, I've just been like, Heavenly Father, I'm just gonna give all this to you and just you know, tell me, you just do my life. And if you'll stay with me, I'll, I can, I can do it. If you'll stay with me, whatever you bring, you know, whatever you want me to eat or whatever, you just tell me. Cause I, this has been that chapter, blew, those chapters blew me away, Cameron. Anyway, <laughs> so I have to tell you what happened and you guys are going to think I'm nutso, but I'm driving up the street, like not far from my house. And I'm driving and I see somebody walking on the sidewalk and I didn't make a conscious choice to turn up to pull over, but I pulled over and there's a girl walking and she has all of her stuff. And I was like, Oh, I guess I, I love to give people rides when it's hot. Like it's 110 here. Yeah. So I was like, do you want a ride? And she's like, no, I'm just going up to the post office or up to the, sorry, the gas station. Um, and she's got, she's homeless and I'm like oh she's homeless <laughs> okay so I'm like get in even a block is like that's you know nice even if it's a block because it's so hot well so I was like where are you going and she says I don't really know I'm just going to get a drink and then I'm going to find a park so I can lay under a tree and so I'm like oh okay well I have to get fuel so I'll take you to the gas station and then I'll take you to the park 
well, so we do that. And I start driving around trying to find a park. And the more I drive around, the more I'm like, if you do it under one of the least of these, my brother, and you're doing it unto me. And I'm like, I freaking have Jesus in the car. Like, I can't, where do you, how, at, at 110 degrees, how do you take someone to a park to sleep? To sleep for, like, so I'm like, what do I do? So I drive around forever. I'm like, I just can't do this. She's a person. This is a person. Like, I let my chickens ruin my yard, <laughs> but I'll let a person be so hot under a tree and then she sleeps in whatever public bathroom she can find and I'm just like I can't do this I was like but you don't take homeless people to your house what do I do so I'm praying as I'm driving around and I'm like okay well this park has um a water park there so maybe that would be a good place but then I'm like I don't just don't and then I'm like crying while I'm driving here I'm like Holy Father, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm trying to serve you, but, and then I was just like, is this safe to bring her home? And I'm, I'm muscle testing and I'm praying and I'm like, she's fine, just take her home. And I'm like, so I text my husband, I have a homeless person in my car. <laughs> do you mind if I bring her home? And my husband's like, well, is she safe? I'm like, she seems harmless. She seems completely harmless. She just seems really sweet. She just, I, I think she, I think she just had kind of a mental breakdown or something. Mm -hmm. She's just the sweetest little black lady. She's just cute. Anyway, so I'm like, I take her around the back side of my house, and I have a bedroom and a bathroom and a refrigerator right there. I'm like, you may use this part of the house, like this, because I, I don't know you, and I don't want you to be out in the heat, so you can have this place. And she's like, thank you. And she, I turned on the air and she laid down and she was asleep for 24 hours. She never got up. Wow. Well, I did put some food in the fridge and it was gone when she woke up. I checked the fridge and she did get up and eat. But she's been here for three days. <laughs> I was going to ask. I was like, I wonder how long it's been there. And it's been totally fine and I know this can't last forever but on the other hand I'm just like it's really hard when you when you are softened at what point do you throw them back out in the heat like it's really hard and like I have plenty of room I have I mean she keeps looking at me going you have a lot of food <laughs> my whole freaking basement is just chock full of food yeah. <laughs> she's probably like bank I hit the lottery here <laughs> but like and she's just the sweetest oh I didn't know I didn't have my thing on anyway she's just like the sweetest sweetest thing so I don't know how this story is going to end and I just wonder if one day I'll just wake up and she won't be here but then there's been moments that I'm like are you really a person because she's like a little bit angelic like she's a little bit like um I don't know she just says things that I'm like I know what you're saying is true like she's I don't know it's really strange but I but had it been a year ago before I still would have had a hard time maybe dropping her off but I would have thought well 
I can't have, I can't have, you know, just anybody in my house. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if this is really a good thing or bad thing. <laughs> so so like, you're gonna have to check in with me later. Yeah, yeah good thing Libby's here. We <laughs> Libby's not here. I have my only. I only have my daughter here. And Rick will Rick will be home for two weeks. So, and I said to him, "Are you, I'm so sorry. I don't know what to do." And he's like, "I think it's great. It's fine as long as you feel safe. It's great." And I was like, "Oh dear." <laughs> what is the Lord making out of me? I'm not sure. But anyway, it's just like loving. If you love animals and you stop that, that, what did he call it? The kill to live or what was it? Kill to murder to get gain. Murder to get gain. It's softening like other parts of me Mm -hmm. in a week, like in a week, which is, which is awesome, but it's also a little bit scary. <laughs> Where does this lead? <laughs> it's like, it's kind of taken off the edges, uh-huh. but I don't know. It's just really something like, I feel a different part of my heart that I haven't felt for a long time. Like I've been working up to this. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so I, those chapters kicked my rear end, like really, <laughs> like thinking about animals and thinking about bees thinking about we killed our own turkeys once for thanksgiving and i was sick to death because i loved our turkeys but i was like they have to die they're here for us that's what i thought mm-hmm. that's really what i thought i mean we named him pilgrim and something else and then we <laughs> anyway but i do think it's a holier way i really do think it's holier i the more i read and the more I'm doing it, the more I feel it's part of sanctification. I really, I really honestly do. I agree. It's like kind of making, putting me in alignment with what I really believe. And then it's softening parts of me that mm-hmm. I didn't even know the needed softening. Yeah. So anyway. I love that. So yeah, um, when you mentioned there, the murder to get gain. So there's this book, but there's also, um, Todd McLaughlin's newest video with Sisters of Liberty, where he talks about the law of consecration and the murder to get gain entropy principle. They're, so they're kind of like companion things to, to go together. Um, anyway, just throwing that reference out there. Watched it five times last week. <laughs> so good. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's go with Leslie. That was so good, Kathy. <laughs> It's like, we could just close the meeting now. <laughs> um, I wanted to share, is this backwards or is this? It's okay. It's, it's okay. Okay. It is, so Elder and Sister Woodsell wrote this. I haven't read it in 25 years. It's copyrighted anybody seen it or read it or anything it's on i think you can get it on archive.org because it's out of print like it's out of copy right now because i think i've started reading it there gotcha 1937 and i pulled that off my shelf because i had as we've been been studying all this i know that he does talk about uh using eggs and dairy 
like eggs and cheese, but the eggs and cheese of 1937 are so different than um, I think anyway. So anyway, I just, amen. You're such a testimony, Kathy. I'm like, well, I think probably most of my family is going to think I'm mentally ill. Like they really, <laughs> that's fine. Plus my mother-in-law's coming like in a, a week and I'm supposed to take care of her for two and a half weeks. And Rick goes, if she's here with my mom, <laughs> my mom's going to freak out. And I go, I don't really care. I don't care. I, I just don't know where, where do you draw a line? Like you let chickens dig up your yard, but you make somebody sleep in 110 degree weather. I don't, I can't, I can't decipher now what is what I'm like, it's mm -hmm. a little bit messed with my brain. Yeah. And so just like going with the Lord and like taking one step at a time, like, yeah, all right. Like it, my, and my husband, when I talk to him, he's just like, like, he's great with it. He's like, this is great. <laughs> I'm like, oh. <laughs> but my customers are like, who's in the back? Who's in the kitchen? And I'm like, she's like, I'm like, She's just she's a family just friend. A friend. <laughs> she's gonna live here from now on. It's fine. But she's wearing a swimming suit. Like she doesn't have a lot of clothes, and she doesn't want my clothes. So it's just like it's just different. But she's ah. just the sweetest <laughs> thing ever. She's so sweet. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. There might be a whole nother story next week. I I uh, don't know. <laughs> stay tuned for part two. <laughs> yeah, you can tell her you're my Jesus. You're not supposed to be wearing that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just blaming all of it on Cameron. <laughs> I just want to, I just want to second what Kathy said as far as um, eating. I haven't taken a homeless person in my house yet, but um, I started noticing the older I got, the less I wanted meat. And I told my husband that, and he was like, "No, no, we have to have meat. I have to have meat. If I don't have meat, I don't get full." And I'm like, "Okay." So our son that's 24 left on his mission two weeks after he graduated high school. So he was barely 18. Um, so what is that like six years ago? And when we drove him to, from South Texas, it was a three day drive um, to his graduation and then to the MTC, we read a book called How Not to Die by, um, mm -hmm. I can't remember his name right now. It'll come to me in a little bit. Um, I think that's the Dr. Greger's book. Anyway, um, I, the first half of the book was how to eat and it's whole food plant-based. And the second half of the book is how to cure disease. It was so cited and you know, we knew how to cure diabetes and then heart disease. And then my husband, I'm like, we don't need to read anymore because we know what the answer is. So my husband said, we need to start eating this way. So we've actually been doing it six and a half years now. And that's the thing. Like I started it for my, for my own health. We didn't really have any health problems, but we didn't want to get any. And we're not on any medication. My husband's 61 and um, we're not on any medications. Like we don't have high blood pressure, like nothing. We don't even take Tylenol. So that was why we started it. But I'm like you, Kathy, like I would walk if I needed to through the dairy aisle, 
like sometimes I wanted refrigerated almond milk or whatever. And there's the eggs and the stacks and stacks and stacks of eggs. And my heart just like, it just broke my heart. Even just the eggs, it wasn't even killing. It was like, I know how these chickens live and free range chickens are not what we imagine. Like your chickens running through somebody's grass. (laughs) That's not a free range. That is not what they define free range chicken as. It just means they're not in cages. They have about this much room Mm -hmm. and they're on top of each other and pecking at each other and killing each other. And I can't even imagine living that way. And I never go in the meat department ever. Um, I just, it, my heart just aches. And I thought about getting chickens because I'm like, that's different. If I raise my chickens, then that's different. And if I raise, like we had a goat and we drank goat smoke for a while. That was in the early 2000s. If I had a cow, I don't want a cow because I don't drink, I've never drunk milk and I would never drink or use that much milk for butter. Um, but that's different, I think, than how it's all commercially produced now. That's what I think. That's what I think. Yeah. And having lived in Blackfoot, Idaho, and there were times that we got out of our car in the garage and we had to run in the house because our eyes and noses were just burning from the feedlots, just the, the mm-hmm. urine, you know, it just, and I'm like, they can't get away from that. It just makes me sick. And if you want to know how to make a sandwich, what to put on your sandwich, I have recipes because that's how we eat now. Tonight for dinner, I made lobster rolls. So I got hearts of palm and I roasted them with a little bit of Old Bay seasoning and um, celery and a shallot and veganese and lemon juice and dill fresh dill you have to use fresh dill and then i after i roasted my hearts of palm with the old bay i mixed that all up together and we ate it in a bun with carrots and watermelon that was our dinner tonight it was so good and i didn't have to eat a lobster mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like it's i just i love eating this way and there's times that we go out and my husband will eat meat and i just i usually don't i just my heart is so tender now Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. it started out for health, but my heart is so tender. I just, I can't. Yeah. And so I think also an important part of the, the word of wisdom is, is kind of the, the promises right at the end that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, echo a lot of our, our temple ceremony, but um, run and not be weary, walk and not faint, uh, gifts of, of knowledge and, and hidden wisdom. But the one that really stood out to me, especially with um, both uh, Gunderson's book and uh, Alicia's document here, was that the destroying angel will pass over. And, you know, reading end time prophecies and, and everything that we've, we've done over the last few years, um, at least for me, last few years, I just barely got on the board. But um, knowing that there is an actual destroying angel, it's not just you know, flowery language of, you know, this mythological destroying angel is going to pass over you. But no, the end time will mirror what happened previously, and we will have a destroying angel. 
And what have we been given in order to, to mark our doorposts or put the th red thread in our windows? It is this health code, this, this word of wisdom that is um, going to protect us uh, against that in that day. Uh, instead of the doorposts, it's our souls. Yeah. It's our souls that are being marked. Yeah, exactly. Uh, almost uh, kind of along with the 144,000, uh, the mark put upon their foreheads kind of thing. That we're, we're marking ourselves and setting ourselves apart as a peculiar people. So uh, food storage is so much easier if you don't have to store meat. Right? <laughs> That's what I've been well, finding have, the last couple of weeks. I have <laughs> so much meat stored, but I guess like in a dire meat, I mean, it's easy yeah. if you're really hungry. Yeah. Yeah, I have well, and we're yeah. told in the famine that we would need meat. So, you know, and you know what? Honestly, I told you guys this before. I don't even know if we're going to end up using our food storage. It'll be there for other people. Yeah. And they'll know how to cook with meat. So, yeah. yeah. And so um, <laughs> before Leslie calls on me, I'm going to read it. <laughs> um, so in Alicia Blickfield's um, uh, Wisdom in His Words, this is on page 43 and 44. Um, but anyway, I found these very interesting. Um, she gives some commentary and then goes right into uh, an Orson Pratt quote. Um, it says that we gain all the strength we will ever need through Christ. Once again, it feels to me as though the Lord is speaking of translation. What else could he be speaking of? And uh, just transitioning over to Orson Pratt. Um, he said, he will purify not only the minds of the priesthood in that temple, meaning New Jerusalem, but he will purify their bodies until they shall be quickened and renewed and strengthened. And they will be partially changed, not to immortality, but changed in part that they can be filled with the power of God and they can stand in the presence of Jesus and behold his face in the midst of that temple. This will prepare them for further ministrations among the nations of the earth. It will prepare them to go forth in the days of tribulation and vengeance upon the nations of the wicked. When God will smite them with pestilence, plague, and earthquake, such as former generations never knew, then the servants of God will need to be armed with the power of God. They will need to have that sealing blessing pronounced upon their foreheads that they can stand forth in the midst of these desolations and plagues and not be overcome by them. When John the Revelator describes this scene, he says, he saw four angels sent forth, ready to hold the four winds that they should blow from the four quarters of the heaven. Another angel ascended from the east and cried unto the four angels and said, Smite not the earth now, but wait a little while. How long? Until the servants of God are sealed in their foreheads. What for? To prepare them to stand forth in the midst of the desolations and plagues and not be overcome. When they are prepared, when they have received a renewal of their bodies in the Lord's temple and have been filled with the Holy Ghost and purified as gold and silver in a furnace of fire, then they will be prepared to stand before the nations of the earth and preach glad tidings of salvation in the midst of judgments that are to come like a whirlwind upon the wicked. I think it is clear that the word of wisdom is the gateway to this profound doctrine. And so I don't, that, that was like getting me on sunday when we were reading that i was like huh man like what does it say there um smite not to the earth now but wait a little while how long until the servants of god quit eating meat <laughs> that that's a joke but kind of real joking not joking yeah hey 
Cameron, who was, was it the last group somebody was talking about they'd met? Oh, who was it that talked about meeting that guy that was the executionist? Oh, Lisa Valentine. So the first, so Lisa was in the, uh, the, first, the group A and she was saying, what country was she in? Uh, she didn't necessarily say, but it was Middle Eastern. Like she was living oh, yeah, in, that's right. in Jerusalem area in some of those Middle Eastern countries. And they, and they had executionists and they would, he would kill people in like a courtyard or something, right? Was that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like people would all go to watch the executions. And um, she knew somebody had actually talked to him. And he said, he would, what did he say? I had to kill several animals every day or something like that to yeah he developed bloodlust over time that killing people on a weekly basis wasn't enough they had to supply him with a constant barrage of animals during the week in and he would just have to slaughter them uh mercilessly uh to keep that that bloodlust going like i mean it was it's just this crazy vicious cycle that she was talking about well and i i thought i misunderstood it i thought he had to kill the animals to keep the to keep the will to kill the people i misunderstood it oh well maybe i misunderstood it but that's what i, what I thought she said with what the, did you get you know, I, out of it i think that uh, he he killed the the people executed them that was his job but no he had to kill the animals just to satisfy his bloodless blood the mm -hmm. lust for blood mm -hmm. anyway mm -hmm. and then she was well and isn't that kind of like i don't know i don't know why i was saying that but i just was thinking how i don't know it's kind of being like one with the i know this sounds weird but being like one with the earth is like being one with god like mm -hmm. you know i don't know it is a different feeling don't you think yeah, like Adam and Eve, you know, they're given dominion over the earth. Like they they answer for for all of that, and uh, we're gonna have to give an accounting of our days uh, here upon the earth and how we treated his his creations, how we treated the earth, how we treated the animals, the plants, etc. We're not really taught that in church, though. Like that's like mm -hmm. over and beyond what we're like. A lot of everything else we've learned isn't really what we learn in church. <laughs> Yeah, where was it? It was in the reading somewhere this week. I can't remember if it was Gunderson's or not, but it gave a few quotes from prophets about that. Yeah, um, it did. But yeah, we're several. just not, it's not perpetuated through the church very much. But um, the one thing that really caught my attention was that when all of the prophets of the restoration have talked about the word of wisdom, they rarely focus on all of the, the don'ts. But or I mean, on like, well, let's see, on all of like the alcohol, tobacco and stuff like that. Yeah. But they always, every single one has mentioned about meat and how we need to cease. And I was like, really? And, and then they proceed to go through and quote all of the prophets. And it's like, holy cow, why, how do we just kind of whitewash it over the years? Like, oh, yeah, the prophet said that, whatever, you know, go back to, to eating. I, I, I don't know. It, it's just kind of good. I think it's interesting that the prophet doesn't eat meat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He did. Never said if Wendy did, but he doesn't eat meat. But 
but he knows what it does to your heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, true. I mean, yeah. it's not, it's not, yeah. But wonder if it is sanctification. Like, wonder if it is like the thing over the door, like, like mm -hmm. part of it, not the, not that, not the saving grace, but part of it. Like, yeah, it's more about what happens on the of our heart to qualify us. Yeah. Well, I think he may have started because he knows what it does to the heart, but just like us, his heart has changed, right? Mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. and it evolves through that uh, and i also want to put a little side note in there my husband doesn't need to eat meat to be full anymore and i'm telling you <laughs> like our taste buds just came alive like it's like we have been uh -huh. missing this like the food that we used to eat i mean i'm i'm a good cook my mom was not a good cook my mom will tell you she's not a good i'm a good cook but it was not like how the food is now like the food mm -hmm. now is just so flavorful. And when we get done eating, like we don't feel heavy. We don't yeah, feel bloated. Yeah, bloated and sluggish and just like, oh, I ate too much. And in fact, that's one thing I've noticed is even though I love eating the food and I want to keep eating, I get to the point where it's like I'm full. I never, over, I never overeat. Like yeah. I just, I don't need, you don't to, need that satiated feeling anymore. You don't need to feel like, like you can't put one more bite in, yeah. right? Yeah, I don't know I if the prophet eats fish. I don't know. I just heard he's a vegetarian, but he doesn't eat meat. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's all I've heard too, is that he's strict vegetarian, but I don't know. There, there is a part in the Gunderson book where it talks about, did Jesus eat fish and um different things there and a very interesting chapter to, to ponder on too also it's interesting because a lot of people will bring up the scripture i think it's also in dnc where um it says that no man should deny yeah. anyone the other it. man right yeah. Yeah, yeah but if you read it i think it's more saying like um like you can't force your opinions on other people, which right. is why I don't think about eating whole food plant-based and you can't point your finger at people and say, you're not obeying right. the word. Um, right. Because it's a, it's just a place where people have to get to on their own. I kind of think it's like that whole, the holier way, like the, but it's whatever level you're at, just like the ladder. And so it's not, there's not a right or wrong. It's wherever you are. Like, I really do think it's, I never would have thought I would have said that because I really <laughs> love hamburgers. You know? Yeah, sure. But think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They didn't eat meat, did they? Didn't they eat their pulse every day? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then it actually changed their countenance visibly uh -huh. versus the other people that they were compared with, which yeah. is another thing. Yeah. Marking ourselves in a very visible way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Leslie, is that a new hand or, sorry, I kind of lost track. Sorry. I, I, I kept changing my mind. Yeah, it's a new hand. <laughs> sorry, I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm completely in the dark. So you would see nothing. Um, a few minutes ago, we were talking about how, um, that we aren't taught this. But I think we are, because when the student's ready, the teacher appears, and then we start to see, oh, and then we see 
the higher and holier way. And <clears throat> it becomes clear, it becomes obvious, and it isn't a checklist sort of thing. It's a hundred percent a heart thing. And and then that's when it sticks. That's when because when you have to do something and you're fighting against what your heart wants to do, we know what happens. But when we want to, then um, then we have that unity we're looking for um, with God in the temple, um, the atonement, the at one mint. I think it includes all of God's creations. And I think we're intended to be at one with, with everything and everyone. And um, it's so awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I wanted to say something too about, cause we were talking about killing animals and I, this is stuck with me. I read this article one time talking about war and how Christ is the Prince of Peace. And isn't that true with animals too? Like it's not, I mean, just killing the animals um, and the way we treat them as far as, you know, the not free range chickens <laughs> that, that are said to be free range, you know, and all of that. Like when you go driving along and you see the cows in the field, that's what people think they're eating. They don't know what feedlots are and how yucky they are and how packed in they are. And um, yeah, Christ is a Prince of Peace, not, mm. not the angel of death, right? Yeah. Or abuse or whatever. Cause I do, I think those feedlots and the way those chickens are raised are just, it's abusive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I, it sounds like I'm not the only weird one that that started reading this stuff this week. Going, oh my gosh, yep, it's time to turn it into <laughs> for at least reevaluate where. Uh, like me and my mom are very different. She's a very cold turkey kind of person and stuff, and I'm like, but I just barely did a grocery haul on meat, and so I'm like. I have, I, I don't want to waste anything. And so like, I'll start I, it next week. <laughs> I'm trying to do like two vegan meals and then one that's like kind of a cheater meal. And then I'll like rotate through it. Kathy's, <laughs> but, got, Kathy's got a lady at her house. That yeah. Some food. <laughs> you know what? No, I don't think she eats meat. She's totally like no, so much. Really? About oh yeah. She knows more than I know. Isn't that funny? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to crack a funny, but I'm not going to. Um. <laughs> the other, the other th chapter I really liked about that book was the, the faith to heal. And yeah. I felt like that the whole time during the pandemic and I'm not, I'm not, this isn't supposed to be negative at all. I don't, and I don't care. I mean, I don't not saying this to offend anyone or anything. But the whole time I was like, where's our faith? Why are we panicking? Where's our faith? We're taught to have faith. No one seems like they have faith. We're all like paranoid. Mm -hmm. Like it was a perfect time to practice it. And I, and I realized also that I'm not like high risk or anything. So I do understand that. But I, the whole time I was like, we're not acting what we teach. We're not practicing it. 
Mm -hmm. And so maybe it was a practice for whatever comes next. But I was like, I, I do believe like, you know, we have, if we have faith, we can be healed. And on the first, and the three things she said, faith, and then the right, the right herbs. And then there was one other thing. What was it? And I can't remember what was the other thing, but um, it really resonated with me and just like, I, I want to live that way. Not that I won't ever go to a doctor, but just like, I've always felt like there was natural ways to do a lot of things. Cause that's how my grandma taught me. But I love that. Just like, we need to get back to faith and practicing faith now on little things so that when big things come, we already know like, Oh, I can totally do that. Mm-hmm. Like heaven father totally will do that for me. Right. Yeah, exactly. So here's that quote. I, I had it marked or whatever. As soon as you said that, I was like, I got to read it verbatim. So this is from the prophet Joseph Smith. In his journal, it reads, I preached to a large congregation at the stand on the science and practice of medicine, desiring to persuade the saints to trust in God when sick and not in the arm of flesh and live by faith and not by medicine or poison. And when they were sick and had called for the elders to pray for them and they were not healed to use herbs and mild food. And so and mild food, it was mild food. That was the third thing, right? Faith, yeah. herbs, and mild food. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Leslie. Um, yeah. Two things. Um, and this one thing isn't meant as a criticism to the way that the um, people can come to believe certain things um i thought it was the coolest thing after joining the church finding out that you could get priesthood blessings when i was like hmm, 11 i think i i had a, a religious father um in the baptist church but he got kicked out because he believed in um laying on of hands things that the baptist didn't believe so anyway they um I was sick with the fever. I was supposed to have a a a surgery and um, they, they came and they all knelt around my bed and they placed their hands on me wherever they were at and they prayed for me and (laughs) my fever and did, did indeed break. And it wasn't, and it was um, almost right away. And um so I had that experience as a backdrop of learning about priesthood blessings and I was just so excited about that and what I found over the years was that most people didn't avail themselves of priesthood blessings for illness I was so surprised that um uh we had friends that we met up with in in Hawaii one time and we we're planning on going out to dinner together and the wife didn't come because she ended up getting really sick. And I said, Oh, I said to my husband, do you, should we go back so you can have, does she had a blessing yet? And he said, no, we don't. The husband said, we don't do blessings unless they're on somebody's on their deathbed type of thing. I'm like, wow. So (laughs) I may have, overused my husband's priesthood 
no but <laughs> he didn't think so and I didn't think so so it was good but um um so that was the, the first thing and then the second thing was I does anybody else ever go to sleep listening to visions of glory <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting that all the time but I do and I go to the journey begins <laughs> this is where I start and so um he talks about um where the man has diabetes and needs that he brought months worth of of insulin and then he ran out and he was dying and then he realized that Christ is the one who keeps him alive, not the medicine. And so he repented of, of having thought that he had to have the medicine in order to stay alive. And then he was fine from that point forward. And I thought, okay. And they, he had, he had already received priesthood blessings and it, they didn't work. And he was a faithful man. It's just, sometimes we get in our head things that are not, um, that don't all that aren't the ultimate blessing for us so i will i so i i've heard that one many times and <laughs> i'm trying to apply it better and better so mm-hmm. yeah it, that's a, a very interesting principle you know and uh in that that part of the chapter where it talks about big pharma pharmakia and yeah I, I, you know i'm not at all saying anything but like um when i made a decision one day this is like i don't know quite a while back but i was like i'm sick of taking thyroid medication i'm just done and so i just willed it one day and and i never went back and and my blood tests have been fine ever since i'm like well that was easy enough like i wonder if that principle works for anything else but well what's the brigham young quote do you dare (laughs) (laughs) about that it's um do you say no you don't dare you shook your head oh no i i don't know which brigham oh about that when we have and something ails us that it's um and an influence that was it that was at um someone's funeral that had been plagued with evil spirits like that's what he was intimating was he'd had a lot of mental illness i think and Mm -hmm. he talked about um how any illness that we have is is an evil spirit yeah every let's see i really looked at that i can't remember whose funeral it is but when you hear the name it's like a strong LDS name. Mm-hmm. I want to say Jedediah Smith, but I uh, I can't remember who it was. So I wonder if it's like, if you combine that quote with the thing I just talked about with the man that had diabetes, and it could be just an, a, a thought, a belief that is not faith-filled that can prevent us from having better health that we desire and the lord wants to bless us with i I don't Mm -hmm. know yeah so here's the the quote 
You never felt a pain and ache or felt disagreeable or uncomfortable in your bodies and minds, but what an evil spirit was present causing it. Journal of Discourses 4, 133. So I'm sure that that comes from uh, that, that funeral thing as well. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that you said that because I remember, do you remember like two and a half years ago? It really struck me when President Nelson talked in general conference, he pretty much called us all to repentance, that he asked the Lord, what should I teach? And he told me nothing but repentance. And I was like, oh, wow, the prophets do that just before destruction, right? <laughs> but, yep. It's kind of a pattern. Uh, yeah, but my sister Sasha had taught me before that, or maybe, yeah, I think it was before that, that any time that there's discomfort in our life that we need to repent. Like we need to fight, like it's a misconception, a miss, um, like, like we have the wrong view of something. Yeah. It's kind of what you guys were just saying and that we need to repent of it and replace it with the right view, which again, I've been reading another book on tapping for those of you that know tapping. Mm -hmm. It's alignment you're trying to say, right? Alignment. Yeah, if we're just out of alignment with Christ, yeah. Like she calls it a misconception or a misbelief, like it's a wrong belief. Mm -hmm. But like tradition of men or precept or or something like that that's been handed down. Yeah. Or just just like, you know, um, like Kurt, I need my husband, I need to have meat or I'm not full. Mm -hmm. But now that he's changed his belief and he's eating differently, he's full. That was a mis that was just a misconception or a wrong belief, right? It, like a tradition of man, I guess, yeah. So, um, uh, and she says that we always just have to repent, even if it's just not something that we're doing, it's just a mis, um, you know, we're just out of alignment. We're just, it's a wrong belief. Mm -hmm. Anyways, I've been, and for those of you that know tapping, I've been reading another book about it and I learned about it like, 10 years ago yeah. um and and i've done it off and on but i'm like you know i think there's something with just tapping and putting in different belief systems that put us more in alignment with christ mm -hmm. yeah wonder if that is a false tradition of our fathers that we have to have need mm -hmm. probably yeah, because our body doesn't need, I mean, if you even look, that's one of the things my husband's done a lot of research, being the scientist that he is, um, like Americans get way more protein than we need. And there's, and people say, well, where do you get your protein? And he goes, plants, just like the cows, yep. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and so anyways, we're eating the protein that they got from the grass and the alfalfa and anyway, um, it, I think it is just a misbelief and that we've been taught wrong. And then, wow, aren't we amazing? Satan teaches us wrong and then we export it to the rest of the world. Yeah, we share it on Facebook and that has to be true. Well, and we <laughs> export McDonald's and we export Burger King and we, ex you know, like we've exported it everywhere. You know, the, what do they call it? The sad diet, the standard mm -hmm. American diet to make yeah. everyone unhealthy so anyway oh, it's crazy
I just know that when I did do like Atkins or like a all protein diet, like the, you know, I've never felt so sick in my life as yeah. eating. I just, that did not align with me. I did not feel good. And I felt so heavy and bloated and yucky. And they're all like, well, people would just say, oh, your body just has to get used to it. I'm like, well, this is just a terrible feeling. And it feels <laughs> the opposite of what this feels like. This feels light. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like I'm missing anything. Mm-hmm. I like the, um, I like the, the thought of rather than eating dead food, you're eating like li- plants are life, right? No. And mm-hmm. so, so I don't know that whole visual of eating something that's alive rather than something that's dead and putrid and rotting. <laughs> yeah, I'm going along that frequency line. Yeah. Anyway. Well, sorry, I've kept everyone for so long, but <laughs> it's been a, a great discussion. Holy cow. Uh, sometimes I kind of get worried with word of wisdom, like, because uh, even a year ago, I probably would have went, uh, I'm bowing out. You know, this isn't for me. Y'all do your plant-based stuff. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Alethea, will you, yeah. will you post some recipes on the, the website? I will. Once I get my computer back, they, um, I dropped it off yesterday. They received it this morning and they've already mailed it back to me. So as soon as I receive it, I'm struggling using my phone, but that's got all my documents on it. And, um, you're welcome. And I'll give you some good resources for, um, uh, websites. If you want one now, rainbow plant life. I really, really like her. Sometimes she talks about her politics and I really, really don't like her politics, but her food's amazing. And um, I'm trying to think. Anyways, that's one that I just love is Rainbow Plant Life. There's some other ones, but you can look at that and it's it's Rainbow Plant Life. You can look that up or rainbowplantlife.com. That'll bring it up. Um, So if you want to start looking and then um, there was something else. Oh, so I have a food storage document and my computer died. My, oh yes. Oh, how, oh, she glows. I love her. And I have her cookbook. Um, anyways, but I, I saved it, I think on the cloud. And so I'll look, but I did a lot of food storage recipes without meat. So I can share that. It's a big document, like 70 pages. So I you. Yeah. I can share it with you. And some of it does have like milk. Um, you know, I've got powdered milk. I have tons of powdered milk, but, um, but we don't even really use oil. I've stored some coconut oil because it lasts longer than regular oil, but you don't even need to saute with oil. I saute most of the time without oil. Um, so anyway, mm-hmm. I, I will share with you. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, so as far as next week, next week's kind of an interesting one. It's our last kind of like preparatory one before we actually get into the lectures themselves. Uh, next week is, um, so to kind of clarify between week four and week 13. So week four is the outcomes of school of the prophets, which means 
like what were they aiming for? What did they want out of School of the Prophets? What was Joseph Smith trying to do? And did they achieve that goal? Versus week 13 is the aftermath, which is like what happened once it came west and it's decanonized, etc., and all of that. Um, so two totally different topics, but next week we're talking about some of those testimony uh, testimonies like Zebedee Coltrane, etc., of um what were they expecting and and did they achieve it so i've got lots of links there on on learning zion um and if you find any others uh make sure to, to put those in uh the podcast um featuring anthony sweat is as a two-parter so it's like two hours long if you do have time it's a it's a great listen uh if you don't then just kind of click into to some of those other links and and read the the short little articles or paragraphs there um but anyway yeah next week is kind of like the most confusing one i think of, of all of it but <laughs> hopefully we have a, a great discussion or just go to um i think his class two is is worth making the time for uh, on the anthony sweat one part two yep yep yep, yep. <clears throat> yeah the part one is kind of just laying some some principles down for section 88 but <laughs> Yeah, part, part two is, uh, if you're short on time, I would say that one. So you put that link in the Learning Zion? Uh-huh, yeah. So Learning Zion, it's going to be under week four, and then there's all those different links down uh, below. Okay. And uh, then before, before you go, everybody else can go, but I just, you can stop recording. I just have a question about um, Isaiah Book Club. Uh-huh. Yeah, for sure. So um on then, let's see, for everybody goes, Chelsea added another resource for uh -huh, yeah, and Alethea mentioned that. Uh yeah, the, oh, did she, oh, I, did. I I missed that. Uh, yeah. Oh, she glows is another great uh, yeah. resource for vegans. Okay. okay. Um so yeah, uh we'll we'll stop the recording, but then I've got let me find the chapter homework for four donations this Saturday, and then whatever your question is on Isaiah. Um, let me stop.